Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business? Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well, then you're in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forat. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses. So sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Scale. Today's guest is Bob Armbrister. Bob is the CEO of Spark Business Works. Spark Business Works is a business-first team that designs and builds custom digital solutions for construction companies. Bob was selected as a 40 under 40 leader by the Grand Rapids Business Journal, and Spark was named to the Inc. 5000's fastest growing private companies and Michigan 50 companies to watch list. Um, we're really excited to, to talk a little bit of tech, a little bit of process, a little bit of people. Uh, so, Bob, welcome, welcome to, the to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Justin and Will. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, also, Bob, as I've been calling you, Bob, continuously through this intro, do you, would you prefer to go by Robert? I didn't ask you that at any point in time. So no, it's, I wanna... it's fine. Okay. I want to be the, the youngest Bob most people ever meet. So um, that's a great yeah. life goal, right? Like that's a, that's a, I'm going to be the youngest Bob uh, anybody's ever met. That's awesome. It's okay. My son's name is Franklin. Call him Frankie. But like every once in a while, somebody will call him Frank. Yeah. It's like Fr Frank isn't a two-year-old's name. That's not like you can't call right. Frank. Hey, hey, Frank He's two. He can't be, he can't be Frank. So, but nonetheless, same concept there. So uh, yeah. So Bob, really, really excited. I gave a, a little bit of spiel about you and your company, but uh, tell us what's, what's your origin story, Bob, and, and tell us about Spark. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah. So I've, I'd always been, you know, involved in technology. Um, a lot of the, you know, IT director roles and you know, computer repair, all that early on. And then, you know, got the, the software itch at some point, started to build little software applications to help companies, you know, operate. Typically the firms I was working with or working for at the time. And then, uh, uh, you know, over the years just became that person people called. I don't know. I've, I've met other people like this where, you know, you're fixing other people's stuff. You know, if something breaks, they call you. And then before you know, it, you have this network of people that are just calling you for anything technically um, related and um, eventually just started uh, consulting and had a, a construction firm, uh, a, C, a national CM firm had me join um, and, and run their technology and just gave me the insight into the, that industry, right? And the, uh, the vast opportunity of, of technology efficiencies and improvements that could happen and uh, started to, to build software for construction firms and uh, it was just that's how Spark started. Uh, I think we're on our sixth year and uh, the majority of our clients are in that space. Uh, and it's just, it's super exciting. And yeah, and, and we're growing extremely fast uh, by just word of mouth, because if you bring a, a tool that works on a job site, you'd be amazed at how fast that can spread and the different trades and different people that, that are on that site. And uh, that's how we get a lot of our business through word of mouth. And, um, and that's kind of where we're at. Wait, that's awesome. so Hold on a second. I, I want you to be specific here for a second because the first client is always the hardest. How did you get your first client? Yeah. So, um, so my first client would have been, um, the group I was working for. I, I did a mobile app for their time entry tool. And, uh, then what happened, we were like, wow, this, 
was like really changed the organ. Like it, it was amazing. Like I thought it was probably the, the most simplified technical thing I had ever, ever built. And it just revolutionized this organization, right? Because it's like, wow, if you can get all this data um, in real time. So anyway, I think the first thing we did was we, uh, I remember I hosted a lunch and learn where I just brought in, I think it was four or five trades and, you know, got them a box lunch and said, just look at this thing that we built. Um, Cause we didn't have any case studies at that point. It was, Hey, we did this thing once. What do you think? And they saw it. And I think, you know, two or three of those firms, signed up for us to, to help them with stuff. And, and I, they're still firm. They're still our customers today. So, um, but that was that simple. It wasn't like some elaborate sales pitch or, you know, anything like that. It was just like, look at how this thing is being used. I guess that's kind of like the best type of customer acquisition, right? Like just makes me jealous. It's just <laughs> yeah. that easy. I, 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 yeah, I don't know if that's this. still the case. It's not the case anymore. I mean, we're out there fighting with every other firm for new clients. But when we first started five, six years ago in construction, there, the space was was much less um, saturated with, with technology options. So it might have been a little easier. For sure. I know I mentioned this and I, I said, I said, man, software, that's where it's at. Because you know, didn't you say like this? this program that you built, the simple program was very like ESPN. Like it was like, Oh, you can move your things around so easy. And then it was like, yep, I want the ESPN app for my company. Sign me up like this. Bam. Yeah. Like that. yeah. that would have been our, that was our second major, you, you know, our second construction firm project was taking a, a scheduling tool from a whiteboard um, to basically they wanted a, you know, a 80 inch touchscreen television to move people around on jobs. And, this client, there's still a great client today. Um, very forward thinking. It's a hundred year old firm. Um, and yeah, they were managing all their team members on a whiteboard. So if someone had to make a change, they had to drive in the office, you know, erase something and, and, you know, add someone. And, and they had that vision of, yeah, I want to be able to drag someone from one job to another. Um, and that was, yeah, that was our first, you know, construction scheduling project. And uh, it's just really cool to, to work with firms like that, that, are trying to make life easier for the team members. And uh, that's just fun. So but yeah, ESPN style. <laughs> I, when you told me this, I was like, I want it. I don't even, I don't even own a construction company. And I want it. So like, uh, <laughs> it's that easy, right? <laughs> right. So, um, so a lot of, you know, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is obviously going to surround, you know, process and, and then using technology to help processes go through, but a big, you know, a big piece of, of what has to happen is, is culture, right? Culture has to be right. So like when you think of technology transformation, like how does culture fit into that, you know, that concept? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the number one reason why I think a lot of these technology initiatives fail in construction. Um, you know, every firm has been burned um, with a technology project that didn't get adopted, right? I mean, that's like the biggest thing, right? And every firm has had it uh, at some point or another. And um, that pain lives on for a long time, right? Uh, the cultures that the, we, we focus a lot of times, because we always try to say, like, we guarantee we're going to, your team is going to adopt whatever we build for you. And a lot of times, you know, people are like, yeah, right. Well, we can't, afford not to have it adopted. And what we found is that, you know, adoption occurs 
um, in construction when you start to think like a software company or think like, you know, the Silicon Valley type firms think, which is all about the user, like obsession with the end user. Um, and bringing that kind of, and we don't, we don't do it that way, um, or at least we don't let our clients think that, but just ways of getting stakeholder input um, is actually, you know, one of the biggest keys to making sure um, things get adopted. And what that does is, I mean, the culture supports that, right? So, you know, I was talking to a, a client uh, the other day that, you know, they had every single, they had 75 team members and they had every single person on that team take a survey we gave them around the process they're trying to improve, uh, which for them was time entry. So they had every single field person fill this out. And that company took all that feedback and started the process of designing whatever is going to be implemented to solve this. And they're going to check in with all those team members along the way. And so what that does is improves the culture, right? You're, you're working for a company that cares about you in the field and your day-to-day. -day. They're going to deliver a, something that's going to make your life easier. Um, and you are part of that process. Um, that is a positive improvement on culture um, versus when a lot of these things go wrong. It's when, you know, four people sit in a conference room they get pitched a, a piece of software, they select it, and then they roll it out to the field. And then for some reason, the rest of the company just isn't thrilled about it, right? <laughs> like if they would have just been involved. So that, those are, that's where the culture I think comes in and um, how you can use technology and, and the process of, of technology transformation to improve that culture. So it se seems simple, right? But it's taken us years to figure this stuff out. <laughs> it's simple it's the way it back. always works. It's simple to just, you know, speak about it for 30 seconds, but years to figure it out the wrong way. Hindsight's 2020. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so then that actually brings up a good point. So obviously, construction companies have your field workers and you have your office people, right? They have different, you know, ways of looking at things. Because like, you know, how, what makes my job easier in the office? What makes my job easier in the field? They're very different, can be very, very different. Um, so how do you kind of bridge that gap between two, you know, employee groups that are very different? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, you know, a lot of times um, what we see is we see firms that start to prioritize certain things um, and they make decisions based on those priorities. So um, sometimes when it comes to a, like large digital transformation initiatives, we'll call these like innovation guardrails. Um, and so most of the time, depending on the type of construction firm, um, you know, that, that involves either cost reduction, time reduction, field safety. Um, but typically there's one or two that a firm says, hey, here's where we're positioning ourselves in the marketplace. We're gonna be the safest. So every, every technology initiative has to somehow align with safety or, um, you know, we have some that say, hey, we're not gonna do anything that doesn't improve the life of the field employee. And, those types of things, you know, having those clear boundaries versus just whoever's the loudest complainer is going to get their need solved first. Um, those, that's where we typically see uh, challenges between the field and office. Um, but when the, everyone's aligned and where the business is going, how they're going to do it, and then a decision, you know, making matrix or, you know, how we make decisions, um, that's where we see there, there start to be alignment because, they're all on the same team versus two separate teams. So does that, and I'm going to call it a core focus to the technology transformation, does that last for 
years, the entirety of company. Is that change often? How, what, how does that work? Obviously, if you're saying safety, you know, we're heavy safety, safety first, all of our technology, you know, innovations need to have, look through that looking glass and say, this lens says, if this is a thing we should or shouldn't do, does that change often or what's that look like? We see it really doesn't change too much because it's typically aligned with the, the core values and the, the mission and vision of the firm. Um, but we'll see where, you know, we've seen recently where safety now includes more of uh, not just physical safety, maybe emotional safety and things of that nature. So we can kind of, we see some expansion of, of kind of those things, but most of the time, those are just the core values of the firm. Um, when they do change is more when they take a strategic change. So we're going to, we're going to become this type of firm. And so over time we need to focus on X or Y. So. That's really cool. Uh, you know, we're, we're an EOS company, so we have, you know, our core focus and, and we, we, we run, you know, everything that we're going to do through that lens. Right. Um, so it's really cool to think of that as a technology specific, you know, and initiatives are like all of those things have to fit that for the culture of the company. So that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I see that a lot of times um, firms don't even know why they're doing certain technology projects. And I'm sure there's people on listening to this going, <laughs> oh, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I've, you know, I just spoke to a group the other day where we were talking about, you know, the order of your projects are so important, um, depending on your long-term strategic plan from a technology perspective. And a lot of times, you know, you will see people with like two back office systems and we're like, why do you have two accounting firms or systems? It's like, well, we chose this and then we started implementing it and we realized that there was this other thing it was connected to. And, you know, so it's like, like well, why'd you do the accounting system in the first place? Oh, well, it's, you know, Jim has been asking for 10 years and it's like, well, how, you know, versus firms that are really aligned, like you said, focused on that. It's, Hey, here's where we're going. Hey, sure. That's not the, the best accounting tool in the world, but it doesn't improve our field workers or it doesn't improve our safety. And um, so anyway, we see that all the time, but I think firms are getting a little more sophisticated now, which is great too. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that where, you know, I'd say like, you know, three, four, five years ago, we could go to a client and, and they would be like, we want to go to the cloud. Like, this is what we want to do. This is the whole thing. And then it's like, yeah, well, you got like six projects before that, before you can start right. talking about going to the cloud. So I agree that, uh, and I will can certainly attest to this saying like, yeah, I think certainly construction companies, I think they're getting more aligned with technology and understanding that it's not just a do a thing. It's a, Hey, we need to implement a strategy. And then once we have that strategy, we have to, you know, run this out for the next five years, 10 years, whatever, depending on how, how in depth it's going to be. Yep. Definitely. There's only three guarantees in life, right? Death taxes and upgrades. <laughs> so and, and and you know the lagging behind on the upgrades as as they're finally catching up you know those projects lead to sort of being able to innovate or being able to go into the cloud or you know essentially supporting those strategic initiatives uh, i think so you know at least the smarter of the construction firms they're understanding that technology is what's holding them back and finally sort of refocusing on technology is to how can it strategically improve them? Better technology, better improvement in uh, processes to support that, right? Yeah, we're seeing a lot of that in just the last five years. It was really a lot of the projects were, and we still are, um, you know, efficiency and, 
you know, hey, I've got a thousand pieces of paper a week and I want to get this digital. Like that was kind of the, the first layer of operational efficiency improvement. Then it got to be, you know, instead of just getting rid of paper, hey, I want to use, um, you know, I want to be able to estimate better. So I want to be able to look back on all these different projects and the, the, the data from those projects. And now we're seeing even more sophisticated firms saying, I want to mine this data from these sources in a different, in a certain region to tell me like the weather pattern. So I can go and know that, Hey, these buildings here are going to need, you know, service. So it's kind of cool to see the, the, the different levels of sophistication. And as a firm is, is getting through the, the lower hanging fruit, then technology, instead of just getting rid of paper, starts to help them actually grow and win more work. And, you know, that's, what's really cool. I think. Super cool. Um, so why don't we kind of go over like, what is it that you're doing? The, because, you know, I think technology really supports the main core of what you're, what you're actually doing. Right. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? What is it that you guys do? Yeah, so we're, you know, in the construction industry, we're a custom software provider. Um, and so what that means is, you know, if, if a Procore or a Sage or any of these tools that they're using, um, if there's a certain function or feature that isn't necessarily serving their organization the right way, we'll come in and we'll build something custom. Um, so a lot of times we'll integrate their tools with some other tools um, and build something unique for them. So um, a lot of times our, our clients have tried a few things, maybe they're using Excel or they're still on a whiteboard or just because the different software tools out there aren't necessarily serving them the right way or for their unique needs, uh, we'll come in and we'll build custom tools for them. Um, and so we're kind of their, you know, innovation partner. So we'll partner up with them. We'll put a team alongside of them and, and help them on a, a, a roadmap. So you know, a lot of times teams might say, hey, my accounting system is perfect, but I need a better, you know, mobile app for the field that helps my team in a certain way. And maybe there's a mobile app and maybe there's scheduling and there's work orders and there could be, you know, years of, of modules and we'll just come alongside and we'll slowly start to help them build those out and, and transform their business. So really what you're doing is process consulting, right? And you're just, and your techno the technology that you're creating for each individual need is sort of helping them adopt what, you know, those processes to do it faster or whatnot, right? Do you want to talk a little bit about your process, like what kind of process consulting specifically you're doing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, most of the time clients, our clients in construction, I mean, they're typically doing it the most efficient way that they can with the tools they have. Um, and so a lot of times we're replacing those tools. So maybe instead of a PDF document or an Excel document, we're going to digitize that process and make it web-based or mobile-based. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, we're sure there's going to be tweaks and changes in processes and, and we'll typically help clients with showing them options on what other firms in the industry have, have done to solve a similar problem. Um, that's usually pretty eye-opening um, to show them that. And then a lot of times, yeah, we're keeping, if you call them jobs and not projects, that's fine. Your software is going to say jobs. And if, if your team members are employees or team members, it's the small stuff like that, that we can bring when we customize stuff and build it from scratch that you don't have to change how you're operating to use the software we build. It's typically built just for you. So um, that's, what's kind of neat is there's not as much change management needed 
besides, uh, hey, it went from this, you know, antiquated tool to something more integrated. Same language. So using the same language is important. Um, it's 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 such a small thing that when you think about, right? But it's so it's such a big thing. Like it's such a if you say team members in comparison to employees, that's a very different thing. Even though it's referring to the same grouping of individuals, it becomes um, part of the culture of who you know who that company is. Like how you phrase things. We just we in our uh, our leadership meeting yesterday, we just went through and said, hey, we keep calling this two different things. Why do we keep doing that? Um, and we, we said, all right, that's it. We're solidifying. This is what this is called. And we are not going to call it the other thing. And we changed and where it was written. And we're like, yep, nope. Like we need to be on the same page because it does one, it stops. And there's like, oh, what does that mean exactly? Is that this or that? Um, and, you know, team, team member and employee, generally most people can figure that out. But like, if you're saying like, uh, you know, this particular thing that you do in comparison to a more of a general statement that would be the same. It's like, oh, well, what is that exactly? So it's a, super important to have the same language. Yeah, we've seen that construction is just, I mean, it's like unlike any other industry. And I think a lot of, you know, software as a service customer or, you know, clients, uh, companies, they're, they're doing a good job of building great technology. I think they've underestimated the complexity and the how every project is different in construction the relationships. It's a highly relationship-based business. So we have clients that have, hey, I want I want one thing to look one way for one client, and I want it the same thing to look a different way for another client. And I'm like, why is that? Well, you know, you know, Bill and I go back 30 years, and you know, he asked me to whenever we send an invoice, it looks this way, or whenever the, I mean. I, I, it's just a unique industry. Um, and then every project being different is I think one thing that is just a huge challenge. Um, but you can build, you know, you can build tools and, um, you know, we see that a lot of times where it's, you know, what did we do last time we did an education project like this? When was the last time we built an elementary school? What did we do? Well, that was five years ago. If you didn't keep a good <laughs> record of your process, you know, and so typically using a normal software as a service platform, you're not including all of that stuff. So anyway, lots of opportunities for, for us to help firms with that kind of stuff. So speaking of process, um, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what's your process when starting with a new construction company? What are the, what are the type of questions that you're asking or, and really why are you asking those questions? Yeah, I think it goes, it goes back to that culture side, right? Like the technology from our perspective is always the easy part. Um, that, that's never the reason, you know, most of the time stuff fails or, or doesn't get implemented correctly. Um, it's a lot about culture and the fit for the organization uh, and not just now, but in the future. So, you know, we always want to know, you know, how did you get here? Um, you know, how did you get started? What kind of work do you do? What kind of clients do you have? And then where are you going? So what, is, what does the firm look like in five years? Um, what does it look like in 10 years? <clears throat> and, and that helps a lot, right? Knowing if a client, if a company is growing tremendously or, hey, we want to stay the same size and just get super efficient or whatever it is. So understanding that why um, is, is key. So we, we can't really recommend any solution without knowing that kind of stuff, right? I mean, it seems simple, um, but that's, you know, that's kind of phase one. Some clients like totally like, you know, they see that when we put together our agendas, like he's, we're going to spend the first part of our, and they're always like, oh, that's dumb. But then they just love, then they, they, then they just start talking about their business and they realize how important it really is. Um, and that's just getting, you know, 
understanding your users, um, I think is key. And then, and then really understanding next the strategic plan, right? So um, we always try to ask clients like, why do, why do your customers choose you? Um, and that always typically is like, well, you know, some know right away, others don't. That is important for us to know when we're building something and, and the order that we build stuff or the problems that we tackle first, because typically clients will come with, you know, hey, here's our 10 things. Well, what is the right order? Knowing why clients are choosing you as an organization is key because we want to make sure that technology supports that um, and enables that, which might be hard to, I'm trying to think of a good example, but you know, if, if you're a relationship-based business and people are buying from you because of, of the relationships you have, or if you're a price-oriented business and a low-cost provider, we do not want to first start with technology that could disrupt that or change that. Or if we know that, then when you're implementing a tool, you need to really make sure it focuses on supporting those, you know, core competencies. Uh, so that's typically the next question is, you know, you know, why do people choose you? And then the next would be, you know, where are you going strategically? So where are you, where do you, why do you, or how is technology going to help you help those clients choose you in the future for the reason you want them to be right? Which is your strategic plan, right? You want to be this type of firm in the future. And so how does technology with those lenses, how can we put it in the right order for the right people, uh, for the right budget to have an ROI, but support your business. And now it, now it sounds really complicated as I'm explaining it. I feel like like a business, <laughs> I feel like I'm like teaching a business class, but it's really about software here in construction. But uh, that approach uh, we've seen be super successful and really position firms in this industry um, as a, in an advantage against their peers. I mean, no, I mean, that makes tons of sense. I mean, like uh, it, we get this all the time, like, you know, because like for us, we have very similar questions. We, we want to know where you're going. Right. So like if today you're a, you know, a, a GC that just really is the Chicago metro area, but you want to expand, like you want to expand services into other, say other states. It's like, well, there's a different strategy to be held, there, right? Like that, like that's good to know. And even if that's the five-year plan, you need to start setting yourself up for that five-year plan because, you know, it's not just five-year rolls around. Now we're going to start doing, you know, Indiana, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and why aren't we set up properly to, to, you know, facilitate remote offices or remote, you know, locations or things like that. And it's just becoming like, well, it's because we needed to set up a whole bunch of stuff. And that's why we ask right. these questions on the front end. Right. Um, so th that, that just makes sense. I think that a lot of people in a big misconception um, is people think that technology isn't like business driven. Like, it's just like, it's just a tool and you can throw it in anywhere. It's an just expensive, works and it just, exactly. an expensive line item. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, we, we frequently ask, like, do you look at technology as like a cost center or is it actually a competitive advantage to you? Because like, if you just think it's just a place where I'm about to burn money, then it's like, for us personally, it's like, well, we're probably not the best partner for you because we are more strategic and we are looking at technology as like, this is going to be an enabler. Like this is going to be a thing that's going to rock your business and like really make you different. Um, so road mapping essentially is what you're saying is like, hey, we need to put a roadmap together and say like, where are you going? If it's the same place, it's fine. But like, you know, we need to know like what that looks like because, you know, me, you building a software, especially you guys, right? You're building a software. It's like, well, this is really not made for 
you know, 10 X the size that you are. It's just not, you know, we didn't build it that way, but if that's the goal, okay, well then let's build something that could 10 X the size you are and not have to worry about like, oh crap, now we have to build you a whole new piece of software or we have to do a massive, you know, change in this software. So that makes total sense. Never, I, I always say never, be, never be upset talking business. Like never be, never, you know, yeah, that's just life. That's what we're doing. That, that's how we make things better. Yeah, I mean, most of our, most of our clients in our first engagements, we will help them with that ROI because I mean, construction, this isn't like, uh, you know, this isn't like some, you know, VC or, you know, some software startup somewhere where you're just going to dump a bunch of money and wish it all works one day and, and pays off. I mean, construction typically, you know, it's owner operated or it's family ran and, most of the cases that we've seen or their ESOPs, these firms are not going to waste money on anything that doesn't improve, um, you know, value of the organization or cash flow. So most of the time, I mean, the, the software that we're building, um, you know, the direct saving is, is time, time savings and, and material savings. Uh, and that has real value and it's very easy to calculate. So um, we see a lot of, positive ROI driven initiatives that maybe there's some that are, are, can be kind of pricey, but even the pricey ones are paying for themselves in a year. Do you build like for anyone, anyone that's in, in the construction uh, or, you know, do you take on anyone or do you have certain criteria and why do you have those, why do you have those criteria if you do? Okay. Great question. Uh, so we always try to make sure that clients have exhausted all other options, right? So if, if someone comes and says, hey, I read your article about, you know, custom scheduling tools and we'd love to have one, you know, we typically ask, okay, what, what software have you used and hasn't worked for you? And if it's like, well, we've only tried one tool, it's like, okay, just go try a few others, make sure this is the right step. So we always try to make sure that they've exhausted all of their options just because, you know, we don't want to just build something if someone can get it for less expensive or something. Um, and then you got to be a good, good person. <laughs> we call this the no assholes rule, but go on. I don't know how to say it in the, in the right way. Yeah. I, mean, I had a, a mentor of mine said, you know, you can't do a good uh, deal with a bad guy um, or a good deal with a bad person. So you know, we, we try to, so we try to deliver quality work. We try to do it on time and we try to be fun to work with. Um, and so we, you know, we look for firms that are, are similar. So, um, you know, we always start engagements off really small, kind of like the, you know, the, um, you know, the, you know, your, your dating phase, right. Before we're going to get married. Um, and during that phase, we're very open. Hey, we, this is how fast we want responses. You've got to have a stakeholder. You've got to have someone that's going to own it on your side. And so we try to, you know, set the set the standard. Hey, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we expect you to do. Um, but typically in construction, I mean, you've got just great people um, that care tremendously about their team members and their and their employees. And so we we haven't had too many issues. Um, but you know, it's uh, yeah, I don't think we we say no to anybody. Um, but we do want to make sure it's a good fit. You know, I'd hate to build something for someone and they find out they can do the same thing with the tool they're currently using. Um, you know, we, we don't want to do that. One, one of the things you've mentioned a couple of times was uh, your guarantee. So uh, obviously talking to you before this, 
um, you know, we talked about how you know the biggest risk when it comes to you know technology adoption is actually getting people to use it. You know, actually using this, and you guys have a guarantee. What one talk about that guarantee and why it's so great? But then uh, two, you, you know, obviously we talk about scale. Like, you know, we're generally talking about AEC companies. You're a SaaS company in technicality, but like you've obviously put a lot of things in place um, to scale. So like, how, how has that like guarantee helped you guys in your scale? Yeah. So the guarantee, so my marketing team hasn't let me officially put this thing in writing yet. Uh -oh, I'm going uh -oh. to work on it. We're breaking, we're breaking out new news here. Uh -oh. News alert. Uh -oh. um, so yeah, what I, what I tell um, our, our construction firm clients uh, who have all been burned with a technology investment that, that failed uh, because of adoption is that, you know, if, if you allow us uh, to build a piece of software for your firm, we guarantee that your team's going to adopt it. Um, and the reason that we can do that is, uh, you know, we use a, a proven process uh, called the Spark Way around getting stakeholder engagement and stakeholder input during the, um, the architecture and design phase all the way through, you know, testing and minimally viable product phase. Um, all the way to, to full adoption. And it's, it's that process. There's a lot to it. Um, you know, one example, which I think is just funny, and I think I talked to you guys about it before, is, you know, we, we invite the most difficult users to be a part of the solution. The people who are mostly avoided when it comes to new technology, uh, we invite them to be part of the solution as, as you know, difficult and, and awkward as it may be in those first few meetings. Um, you know, there's certain things like that where, hey, hey, this software always breaks for Tracy. No matter what she uses, she walks by a computer and the screen, you know, freezes. We want Tracy involved in helping us architect the solution. And, and so, you know, just that simple, that's obviously one simple way, but there's a ton of others. But, um, you know, making sure they're involved, we can help increase the odds of adoption tremendously when the entire team is involved in the solution um, they're involved in helping roll it out and the success of it. Um, so that is just one example of, of probably a dozen different unique things that we do during the, the software phase uh, to make sure that you're actually going to get it adopted, which guarantees that ROI that you've calculated before you've made the investment. So um, it works. It, it works. <laughs> Good guarantee. It's, uh, yeah. it's really hard to accomplish. So kudos to you. Yeah, I understand why the marketing team's like, whoa, let's uh, let's uh, let's hold on a second here. Like, let's not. Uh, um, we there was another software company that we uh, knew that their their guarantee was like they were they would do any like bug fixes for free. Like that was what they were saying. That ended quickly because they realized oh, yeah. this is impossible. Like is that this firm is like, <laughs> did it end quickly because they went out of business. <laughs> they did not go out of business, but they like this, you know, they realized, oh, that's not like, that doesn't work. Like, just because you have a good idea of a guarantee that's like, oh, like this is a, this is legitimate. Like this is a good, good for scaling other business and, and doing the right thing for the client and all those things doesn't always mean it's a good guarantee if it actually hurts your business significantly. So yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. You don't have control over bugs in most cases, if it's integrating with other stuff, right. Or, I mean, so much changes, right. Yep. iPhone apps, you know, your iOS changes, everything. So yeah, that's one thing we got to ed educate a lot of people on is, hey, the system went down because Apple made a change, not us. Um, 
those are never fun, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the bug fixing. That's funny. That's, that's <laughs> tough, but yeah, I mean, you don't have control over that situation, but you do have control. Like when we roll it out, we have control over, over that. So, um, we can make that claim or I can make the claim. That's right. <laughs> Put a stamp on it. <laughs> so I want to kind of switch gears for a second because uh, in the pre-interview, you had kind of an interesting pers- perspective. We're talking about sort of issues with the industry uh, and specifically construction and like how people view undercutting jobs, right? And they're going, there's no way that that other person can you know, do it for, for that price, right? Uh, they're, they're just undercutting the job and it's going to be, it's going to be a shit show, right? And they're going, there's, there's no way, but you seem to have a different perspective on what's actually going on. And you even had an example of two different companies um, without saying who those companies are, but why don't you give us what you've seen and why it's happening uh, and maybe change the view on the whole undercutting thing. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you. So I had a, we had two firms in a, in the same market last summer, uh, go after a really large project, um, huge bid, bid package. And it was, there's going to be pretty large for either firm. Um, one firm was our client and we had been helping them for, I think about 18 months at that point on their digital transformation journey. Um, and the other firm was kind of waiting to make the investment. They know they had to do it. They know they had a bunch of stuff to do, but they had a big backlog, right? They were super busy. Um, and then they see all this activity in construction technology, right? With new software. All. So, you know, their perspective was we're going to wait, which totally fine. Um, and what, what had occurred is the firm that had been investing slowly and steadily, one small mini project at a time um, started to use data they went from a firm that was reporting, you know, a month and a half after the actual effort was done, like most firms, right? How did we do last month? And they started to get data in real time daily. Um, so they got rid of kind of monthly reports and they started running the business on a daily basis. And so it gave them really good insight into what projects were going well, which ones weren't going well and why. And they got that all the way back to the estimators and they, you know, they just revolutionized their organization through nothing more than just speeding up the velocity of data. It's really it, right? The other firm is still, you know, in the art, you know, I wouldn't say archaic, but they're just doing what they're doing. Um, both of those firms um, bid on that project. And the firm that won was the firm that had been using data in a different manner. Um, and they were able to lower their costs because they were much more confident in how they estimated the project. And they took that risk and they reduced it and that came out in cost savings and it reduced the price of the project. The firm that lost said to me, we're going to, you know, we lost the bid. So-and-so firm won. they undercut everybody and they're going to lose money on that project. And then when I spoke to that firm that won, which is our client, he said, the the president owner said, we're going to make a killing on that project. And it was like this, just this huge difference in opinion, um, where you know the, the firms that are losing, maybe there are occasions where people are undercutting. In that marketplace last summer, no way would any firm give away you know margin on, on, a, on a job like that. But what's happening is on these larger projects, firms that are using the data 
and getting better and more efficient and, and passing some of those savings on are now having a, a price competitive advantage against you know, the firms that aren't adopting technology or not using data. And the firms that are losing, they're just not even seeing it, right? They're just blowing it off like these firms are just undercutting everybody. So at some point, I think that, you know, it's very apparent on large projects like that. This price gap is really large. I think eventually over time, like that's going to come down to medium-sized projects and then it's going to get down to smaller projects. Um, and those firms, hopefully they, they can catch up. Um, but that is something that we're starting to see is, is some people might have their, you know, their head in the ground in the sand, right? Just saying, hey, I'll, hey, we're busy. We got a big backlog. We'll get, we'll do this stuff after this is all over. Where other firms are saying, no, I'm going to use, I'm going to use this backlog to fuel my positive ROI projects. I'm not just dumping money into stuff; it's not making sense. And they're using this wave um, of work to to help change their their business for the future. Um, so yeah, we're we're seeing the fact that some just don't even see it's happening, um, but it is. It is happening. Um, so anyway, it's, it's a story I share a lot because it was just, um, it's just profound. I don't think anyone's really talking about it. So it just to reminds me of sports specifically, like, you know, like baseball, right? So like in Oakland A's, right? It's like, Hey, yes. we can't, we can't, we, we can't just win them. We got to start looking at things a little differently. So now when you take data, I mean, essentially what they did, right? This data is now telling me a different story. Like now I can start saying like, Oh, well, this guy that, we can get for cheaper, right? Or, you know, this project that we can bid lower on, right? Same principle um, is totally going to work out for us. Like that's without question, because I'm looking at a data set now just differently. And that, I mean, now pretty much all sports has changed. I mean, like in basketball, baseball, I mean, like it's across the board when you're looking at high analytics and it's just like the same concept goes for business and certainly construction because there are so many data points to, you know, labor and like all of these other pieces that you can totally, once you're crunching data at a, at a high amount, it changes how you're looking at a project. So yeah, I, yeah. it's super fascinating. And you don't have to be like a data scientist. I mean, all right. So there's two things. One, um, this is kind of newer for the middle market, right? The firms we're dealing with are typically small, you know, small, medium-sized firms where technology, like you said, has always been a line item it is now enabling them to win work if they're leveraging it the right way. That's revolutionary for this side, this part of the market, in my opinion. Um, so that, that's starting to happen. So the more people I can talk about that to and inform them, the better. The second thing is the firm that won, I mean, these aren't like data scientists, right? These are like every other, you know, construction firm management team, right? These, they are not technology savvy, you know, data scientist type people. These are people that are just saying, hey, the data is telling us this on these types of projects, or here's what this type of work is costing us, and here's, we know the actuals. So this isn't, it isn't like anything like, I don't want people listening to this thinking they've got to have some advanced degree in data analytics to make these decisions, right? This is simple stuff. It's time, it's material, right? It's uh, um, actual versus budget type stuff. Um, And so that it's happening. It's pretty cool to see. So in a different way of saying what you just said, okay? And I'm hoping people that are listening to us are really listening closely because what you essentially said is, I as a construction owner invest money in the right places in technology 
right? So large upfront investment. And over time, you get yield, essentially an exponential increase in return at the longer you're using those processes uh, that are supported by technology, right? And so, and the difference between essentially the two, we'll call it owners, one that's waiting on where do things pan out with technology versus the other one that's actually in, right now investing. So the investment is quote unquote, hurting their bottom line, right? Because they're gonna have a lower bottom line right now. They're investing towards their future and they're gonna have a better bottom line down the road, right? So uh, the, the money that they're investing right now for a little bit of profitability, they're gaining a huge amount of advantage on the back end. And if anything, they get that return within a year or less. Is that, is that yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then for, for any controllers out there that are listening, well, we see a lot, some of these technology investments can be actually capitalized and put on the balance sheet, just like a piece of equipment. Um, so a lot of times we try to talk to people about like, look, you might spend 200 grand on a piece of equipment or a truck, or, you know, you got to think of the same thing as in software and we can help you know, we, we will help clients make those calculations because you're running calculations. You're saying, should we buy this piece of equipment? What's the return on that? What's that going to look like on the balance sheet and on the income statement? The same thing with, with software nowadays um, that, that you are building yourself becomes a, an asset for the organization. So, um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. But yeah, you did a good job. You're pretty good at that, Will. Summarizing stuff. <laughs> Thank <now>. you. <laughs> I think you've done do that, that before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, you've talked to um, all kinds of, uh, all kinds of people in AEC. What kind of questions do you, do you like to ask, you know, let's say prospective clients that make them stop and think or rethink kind of how they're using technology or kind of shocks them into, oh, maybe I should reconsider. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the questions I like to ask, I like the, you know, why do you win work? I love that question. Because that's really one of the keys, right, to why they exist. Um, I also try to ask them kind of what that, what the elephant in the room is that from a technology perspective uh, that no one wants to talk about, right? Like, you know, such and such system is awful. Everyone complains about it, but, you know, Bill is the guy that put it here and he's been here for 57 years and he's going to get super angry if we bring it up, right? I mean, there's, you know, it's just the stuff that everybody knows, but no one wants to mention. Trying to get that out um, on the table is, is typically key. Um, you know, hearing about the, the past, you know, when was the last time you had a, you know, you had one of these things flop, you know, learning and then asking like the five whys after that, um, if they still want to talk to me after that exercise, but if you've ever done the five, go, the go, five go a little bit deeper, go a little bit deeper on the five whys. Okay. So if, if, you know, so and we're a software company, right? So we do a lot of user centered design and, um, you know, all that stuff that you hear out on the West coast and stuff. Um, anyway, so one exercise that our, our 
our team will do is kind of the five why. So you, you ask, you know, why five times to truly get to the answer. So you could say, hey, tell me about the last um, major software project that went south. Oh, we tried to implement the CRM tool and we spent a hundred grand and it flopped. Well, why did that happen? You know, so that's the first why. And then they're going to say, well, you know, uh, we were sold something that didn't, you know, didn't work the way that we thought it would. And like, well, why is that? Well, you know, um, I had the, you know, I did the demo and, uh, you know, our VP of sales wasn't available and, you know, thought he would just like it. You know, well, why'd you think that? Well, and so before you find out like, oh, well, you made the decision in a vacuum and you didn't include your whole team. And that's probably why. So anyway, you ask that the five whys and it really gets down to well, what can we have done differently? And so using those examples for the next piece of software, okay, we're going to make sure we're tackling all those reasons why your last few failed. We're going to, we're going to go and make sure that you don't do that stuff again. So it's a great exercise. I like that yeah. one. Um, so we, you already talked to some of the challenges around hurdles uh, and why people are resistant. One of them is just, they've been burned in the past, right? There's been a lot of software, uh, and technology companies. Um, and I'd say this was more 20 years ago, right? 30, 20 years ago, but even 10 years ago, I'd say it was, it was pretty prevalent where you get burned by those technology companies. So, you know, how do you get people that are technology resistant? Um, you know, it's one of the common things like I can, you know, my guys can continue framing or my guys can continue pouring concrete, whether the technology is there or not, right? Or if the computers are working or not, why should I, why should I spend more on technology, right? How do you talk to those people? How do you get those people to be less technology resistant? Hmm. Well, I never try to have anyone do anything that doesn't make sense. So it's got to definitely make sense. Um, or at you know, least reconsider of, the, t the technology changes, right? Yeah. Um, we've seen a huge change in that, especially with co during the COVID time. I mean, we saw firms that would never adopt anything start switching. I mean, so I think a lot of that's shifted in the last two years where, you know, maybe you had a large section of the population in this industry technology resistant to now, you know, that's probably cut in half. Um, you know, a lot of times it's just asking them why. Um, and a lot of times this stuff just doesn't make their life simpler. Um, hey, I can just fill out this timesheet and, you know, so-and-so my manager is going to fix all my problems for me. And I don't have to deal with it. Um, in those cases, because we'll, we'll have clients too that have these types of team members. Um, you know, they, <laughs> I had one client say, you know, we're having a hard time hiring people because we're trying to find people that like to be outdoors and want to sit all day. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're running a piece of equipment. All right, so it's like, all right, you already got a challenge finding people that you know, want to be outside, you know, want to be working with their hands. And now they have to use this tool. Um, a lot of times, you know, just sitting with them and giving them the one-on-one -on -one attention, um, which they don't very get, you know, they don't get very often with technology is, is key. We have a, we have a client um, that's a, a large excavating and aggregate. Um, they do a lot of civil work. So they have a lot of outdoor projects and um, when they roll out software, 
uh, they roll it out in really small teams. Um, and they do, they'll stay and they'll do one-on-one training. And they'll say, you know, this one of our clients said they stayed for an hour or so after with just one person. And they have like hundreds and hundreds of employees. And she stayed with one person until finally he said, you know what, I get it. Yeah, that's easy. I can do that. Um, but it's just, you know, if you try to force feed this stuff the way that, that they don't consume it, um, you know, good luck. Uh, so I think it's just that one-on-one truly understanding and having empathy for the end user. That's one of our core values at Spark is, is to be empathetic and inclusive. Um, just because you're the smartest person in the room, you're a developer or something, and you built this amazing mobile app. Don't think the guy or, or lady that is going to use it um, is any less technology savvy or anything, you know, put yourself in their shoes. That was one of my biggest things. My first mobile app, I think I actually built most of it. And I, I tested it with a bunch of office workers. And then I took it out in the field and realized, you know, the person that was using it, their fingers were like twice the size of mine and all the people I tested it with. He had gloves on. So I'm all, already, I'm thinking, geez, you know, like why, you know, how can I make this better? Um, so I think it's just, you know, putting yourself in their shoes. You get something, you know, these, and now I'm kind of rambling, but these are the individuals. They all have mobile phones. They all have smartphones. They all have apps they use. Figure out what, what the apps they're using and why they're using it and what they like about them and put those in, into the app you're building. I mean, stuff like that. Uh, two, two things. One, if, if somebody's looking for somebody that likes to be outside and likes to sit and that's the, maybe we can solve the construction uh, employment problem. We just go to the beach and then find a bunch of people oh, yeah. and right. voila, right? There we go. D- done there. The second thing is, is, so obviously you guys build software for construction companies and, and, you know, are, you know, building all that stuff. So what about you? Like, so what about you guys? I mean, like how, you know, have you guys implemented software for yourself? Like, do you, do you, do you dabble in like, oh, we, we have an issue now let's build an app or, oh, we have an issue. And like, let's not build an app because like everybody in the building can do that. And that, that creates chaos. Like how, how does like scale and technology work for you guys specifically? Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, we don't use any custom software. We only do that for other people. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. So our, our core, um, you know, so one of our systems that we built to run Spark, um, it's called Base. Um, and it helps us uh, do those three things, right? Deliver quality work, um, do it on time and be fun to work with. Uh, and so it is our time entry, our, our weekly update, our budget management tool. Uh, we built that ourselves um, because we got to drink our own Kool-Aid, right? Because um, mm-hmm. a lot of other systems that were out there, um, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't do things the way that I wanted it done. I wanted clients to have a weekly update every week. Because typically what happens is in technology, firms just go off on their own and then they come back months later and they say we're over budget or whatever. Uh, so I, I wanted to track and, and we still do. We track uh, how many weekly updates are sent uh, and how many face-to-face visits have been made. And those are all tracked and then uh, you know, all that. So there's certain things because that's why I think people choose us because we communicate frequently and, and we deliver um, and then we're fun to work with, which is why I track that face-to-face visits because, um, you know, typically people that get together and, and can have a good time, even if it's in a meeting, uh, I think is important. So anyways, those are kind of how we're using it for Spark, right? We're tracking that stuff um, on, a, on a weekly basis. So, um, but there are occasions where, yeah, we use off the shelf all the time. 
Um, you know, we use Slack a lot with our clients for communication tools. We're not going to go build that. Um, you know, it'd be like saying, I'm going to go build Procore for a construction firm, right? No one's going to do that. So uh, we use the same concepts uh, internally. Um, you know, we have like, we're coming up on our quarterly um, meeting and, you know, we survey all our team members each, each month and we ask them, you know, how are things going? What can we do differently? We use the, uh, another, you know, um, thing we'll do is the start, stop, keep exercise, right? I'm sure you guys know about that. You know, what do we need to start doing? What do we need to stop doing? And what do we need to keep doing? Um, you know, so those are kind of the things that, that we do here. But uh, so, we, yeah, we drink our own Kool-Aid and, uh, you know, we, we do the same thing we recommend our clients to do too, so. Makes sense. Love that. So I think, uh, I think we're down to our last question. What do you think? Yeah. Go I think and ask that's it. right. So to the youngest Bob uh, that I've certainly met in, yes. in ever, um, <laughs> we have one question we like to ask everybody. Um, and it actually has to do with uh, age. So that's a, it's interesting uh, kind of segue into that. So Bob, if you could go back 20 years, what would you tell yourself? That'd be 2002, by the way. Man, okay. Graduating high school that year. Probably like buy Amazon stock. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Everybody wants to yeah. buy Amazon, Bitcoin, all right. that stuff, Google yeah, stock, Bitcoin. all those things. What would you tell yourself in regards to, you know, you look at yourself today, you run Spark Business. Yeah. Um, like what would you, what would be, what would have been helpful to uh, 18 year oldish Bob? Uh, yeah, that's, I think it would have been, uh, you know, don't leave people behind. I think, uh, you know, depending on, you know, your personality and stuff. I, I've, you know, I've done a 360 review. I don't know if anyone listening to this has ever done that, but that's eye-opening. And one thing I've learned um, in the last few years was, you know, I can kind of go too far ahead of my team. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not always the, the best place to be too far ahead. You want to, you know, obviously you want to lead, but if you go too far, uh, you start to get frustrated. So that's one thing that I learned in a 360 review um a year or two ago that was kind of eye-opening where then i start going back to all these projects right and you're like oh man i did that how many times over the course of these last <laughs> you know um boy i'm glad that person still talks to me i'm glad that person still talks to me but uh yeah i think that's one thing where it's you know especially in technology and same with the you know kind of goes back to how we we do that adoption right you I mean you can't thoroughly adopt a tool until you bring the you know, the, I won't say the weakest link, that's not a good term, but you know, like the, the least, you know, you can't adopt a tool unless everyone's using it. And for everyone to use it, you've got to get even the hardest difficult users. And I think that's maybe one reason why now we bring those people in on the front side of an engagement, because they're going to have to get there. So um, that's probably what I would have told myself. It's really How about you guys. I want to hear what you guys would say. All Ooh, right. Nobody's ever flipped the script. Yeah. Us. Right. Look you guys ask all these questions. It's about time. All right. I'll go first. Uh, if I could go back 20 years, what would I tell myself? Um, I'd say two things. Uh, work on relationships. I was too technology focused and uh, relationships were not really a thing for me. Um, I kind yeah. of, took, I took it for granted. 
Um, and technology is not all, you know, it, it's not everything. Um, that'd be one. And then one. Uh, the other one I would say is uh, my perspective is going to change. Uh, so keep a, always look for ways that I could be wrong um, and whether or not I'm actually right, play my own devil's advocate. Mm, there you go. That's going to uh, be hard to follow, Justin. That's, I was like, man, I should have went first, I guess. Those are pretty deep. <laughs> yeah. uh, so for me, uh, you know, th this year I've, I've been doing a lot of personal development. So like for me, it would have been 20 years ago, work on yourself every like take time to literally learn stuff, you know, be athletic, have reflection, meditate, do the journal, like actually work on you. Like, you know, I've always had a high ego and I've always thought I'm going to be great. And it's going to be amazing. All this stuff. But like, I got to a point in my life where I was like, Oh, I'm not, what, what am I doing? That's great. Like, you know, like it, but it's because like, just like everything you have to work at, like, if you want to be good at dev, right. Like, well, you got to keep cranking away at dev. Like you keep, keep cranking at the code. And like, for me, it's like, the tools are all here. You just got to crank away at it. You got to, you got to put the work in. So it would have definitely been focus on you. Like, don't think focusing on you is selfish. Like, I right. think that that's a big misconception. People will say, oh, family first, you're going to put your, your career or do all this. It's like, no, no, no. Work on you. You're the foundation. Like you, you are the only reason anything else exists above you, right? So your career, your family, you know, your kids, or your wife or your whatever it is, right? It's just like, you, when you are the best foundation, it's best, it's best for everybody. Um, it's the airplane example. It's absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then the, the second thing would be create, like, I, I think like, I'm, I'm just like being creative. I played music my whole life. I, I, I inspired to write a book. Like there's lots of things I want to do. And it was like, man, you should have started creating then. Like you should like, you know, cause in 2002, I would have been, uh, let's see, 12, something like that. So I'd have been really young. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's been like, start creating then. Like you, you look at today and you have like kids on TikTok and kids on YouTube and kids on like, and they're doing all these things. It's like, man, you should have been doing that, you know, in whatever capacity, you know, then, and like yeah. where you would be today becomes, holy crap. And like, obviously this podcast being an example of like getting creative energy, getting, you know, relationship people together, doing this thing. It's just amazing. So like, well, we should, I should have been executing on that concept that is, is obvious today. 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. We do, uh, we do quarterly objectives. Everyone has three rocks and, uh, last quarter we switched it and I said, Hey, no, two are business related. One's going to be personally related. Oh, Bob, you are screaming me. You are screaming and, uh, my philosophies now. Oh my God. That was like, cause you know, I was part of a leadership team one time they had a business coach come in and that coach said, uh, you know, you guys think you're going to improve this business we're going to start with improving each of you first. Right. So you had to do like a personal and uh, like, of course. Right. But sometimes we forget like, Oh yeah, there's humans in this room and we're all driving this thing. And all we're doing is focusing on this entity over here versus how are we going to improve ourselves? So that's, that's cool. Yeah. No, I it's, it is like, again, literally the beginning of this year is when this mind shift change has occurred. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, how do you, how do you not focus on yourself? It's almost like a crime, not trying to become better as a human being. Like it to me, to me now, now I'm like, I couldn't, I can't go back to living that way. Like that's impossible for me today. So, yeah. 
So thank you for flipping the script on yeah, us. Yeah, thank you, Bob. Nobody else has done that to us. So, uh, wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so is there anything else you want to tell the people uh, before we uh, sign off here? Uh, yeah, if there's anyone still listening after <laughs> all of our different uh, topics here, I, I would say the one thing that I always try to encourage firms is if you feel like you haven't started or if you haven't started, with that technology transformation, or even just getting more focused on technology as a firm in construction, those people typically feel like they are so far behind. Like, why do I even start? But, you know, what we're talking about here is really the, the big, you know, a lot of the super early adopters, but you are not alone. Um, if you feel like you haven't started or you haven't and you're, you're by yourself, you are actually not. Um, and it's actually the silver lining is now it's cheaper than ever. There's more resources than ever. There's more opportunities than ever. So if you look at that technology adoption curve, you know, these early adopters paved the way they spent the most money, you know, they, they got all the bruises. And if you haven't started, it's, it's actually just, it's a great time to start. So um, I'll leave it at that. Awesome. 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 We will drop in all your social links and all that fun stuff, the website, things like that. Is there a way that if somebody wanted to contact you, you would like them to do that? Yeah. Sparkbusinessworks.com is our website. Um, and then you can find me on LinkedIn uh, forward slash Bob Armbrister. So I'm um, sure there'll be all the links, but yeah, we'd be happy to have a chat. we got a ton of free resources on our site, um, especially in construction. So check that out. Um, hopefully we can help you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, well, uh, that's all we got for Building Scale today. Uh, until next time, adios. Adios. Thank you for joining us today and listening to this episode. If this episode did help you, then be sure to share it with someone else who needs to hear it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or are looking for additional help on your journey to find more wealth, scale, and freedom in your AEC company, visit our AEC resources page at spotmigration.com backslash AEC hyphen resources. resources.